Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. And you're listening to another episode of Hugh I Do, the podcast brought to you by your favorite cousins on the bright side. to another episode of Who I Do, the podcast that's finally going to answer if your wedding should or should not be a family reunion. Honestly, it's a question that a lot of people wonder. So we're going to talk all about it. And we have a very, very special guest with us today that's going to help us figure out the answer to that question. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Allison Thompson. I am the owner and lead wedding planner of Birdcage and Blushers Weddings and Events based here in Chicago. Um, I specialize in game time coordination, which is my version of day of, as well as partial and full service planning. So I kind of cover cover all the bases of planning services for couples in the Chicagoland area. Awesome. Love that. Love that. Chicago. Chicago's very popular. Like, yes. We've had is. a couple of vendors <laughs> from Chicago <laughs> on. You guys so. yeah. have Jennifer Price on, who yes. I know and absolutely adore. So I'm glad I could follow in her footsteps. Yes. We love Jennifer so much. Like, yeah, she's awesome. So. If y'all are cool, more than likely, I already know, you're cool as well. So we're excited to have you on. Um, Tell us a little bit, though, like how long have you been in this space? Like what brought you to wedding planning and the wedding industry overall? So I've been in the wedding and events industry for 10 years, which is kind of crazy to say. So I originally joined the industry in 2013. I'd always had an interest in events. I got my degree in psychology. And then long story short, by the time I was ready to graduate, I was like, no, no thanks. I am not about that life. And so I went into sales for a little bit, but I interned at a club, not like a club club, but like a social club here in Chicago where I uh, interned in their marketing and events department. And so that was where I kind of caught the bug. Then from there, I moved into catering, which brought me into the wedding space. Very nice. So catering, did you enjoy that? Um, I didn't not enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, and this is, sometimes I get this question from people who are like, you know, if I wanted to be a wedding planner, if I wanted to get into the industry, where would I start? Like catering, it's a lot of chaos, but that's the best place to learn. I learned so much about like, not just like, you know, the front of the house stuff. So like setting up and you know, that sort of in like timing, but I also learned a lot about the food service side and like the food timing and what a plate up looks like and the kind of equipment that you need when you, you know, need a caterer or, you know, need to do an event, just making sure that you have everything. So I learned pretty much like all my foundation of all of my event knowledge came from being in catering. So that's really, really good knowledge to have. You can definitely spot all those red flags and be like, Mm -hmm. hey, no, we need to go over here. They need a little bit more time to develop you know, their business and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge undertaking, like the catering Mm -hmm. side of things. And so it's like, you really have to have, 
you know, all of your all of your ducks in a row from like staff to equipment, licensing, being able to operate in different spaces. So like a venue with four walls versus a venue that's like at someone's home that's outdoors. Like, don't get mm. me started. That could be like a whole other episode. But yes. <laughs> Bring me back for the catering episode. <laughs> right. I was thinking that like, all right, we'll put a pin in it. We're going to circle back around to that later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're so glad to have you. This is a topic, like I mentioned, that comes up a lot. I've seen a lot of controversial takes about including your family, our weddings, family reunions, should they be, should they not be, all of those things. So we're going to dive into that very complicated question after we play this or that, which is everybody's favorite game, Allison told us before we started recording that this is the reason why she came on the show. So we're so excited to allow her to play this or that with us. It's everyone's favorite game. You pick between one option or the other and you explain why. And Allison, because you are our very special guest, we're going to let you go first and then it'll be Tania's turn. Then I'll answer and then we'll do another round before we dive into this conversation. So to start, think about this from the perspective of you're planning your own wedding. So would you prefer to have your wedding be right after a major holiday where the family usually all comes together? Or would you prefer to have your wedding on the birthday of a patriarch or someone in the family that means a lot to everyone, but is no longer living? Hmm. That's a tough one. It's a good question. Mm. Um, I think I would rather do like a birth date of someone who's no longer with us. Um, I think that's super touching. Surprisingly, that's actually something that me and my partner have talked about before. And so I think it just makes it more special and meaningful as opposed to like all of the stress that comes with the holidays and all the logistics. And so it's like, I'd rather not deal with that. And then also have to deal with my (laughs) wedding. (laughs) Right. Good point. Good point. All right, Tania, which one would you pick? Honestly, I would do the same, partially because then the anniversary would have to be around the holiday. And then what if you want to take a trip? But then, you know, holidays are for family and family's going to be like, oh, well, it's your turn to host. So let's just let's just have it after the birthday. Okay, Uh, that's. That was a good way of processing that. I would um, do the wedding on the patriarch's birthday as well. Uh, Yeah, I think I would do that. It may, especially if they're no longer here, the anniversary kind of is another way to honor that significant person. So I think we're, we all had some great answers here. So let's go to round two. All right, so think about, again, your own wedding. Would you prefer to have all of your wedding party members in certain colors, like you tell them to wear certain colors, or would you prefer that the wedding party members are exclusively like people that are in your family so cousins siblings like the people that are standing up next to you are exclusively people that are in your family whether by blood or marriage 
That's a weird question for me because I just have this thing. It's like an internal ick that I have about like overly matching. It's just like a personal preference. So like I feel like I would feel some type of way if like there were additional people in my color that weren't in the wedding party. But Mm. if I had to choose between having them in my wedding party or having them wear a color, knowing my family, I'd probably just like, girl, just just show up, put the pink on and sit down. Like, we don't need you to have any responsibilities. That is hilarious. Okay. Tania, what about you? Because you have a lot of a lot of cousins, a lot of family on both sides. So how how would you have handled this? I would rather put them in a color to signify y'all are family. We love you. Thank mm-hmm. you for showing up. But I don't know if I would want everyone in my bridal party. That's right. Hopefully I answered that correctly, but yeah, yeah. you did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm with y'all. I think I would also do just wear a certain color. And if somebody ends up in that color, you know what? I guess your family, like it's all good. (laughs) No biggie. I mean, (laughs) like I had someone at my, or two people, I think technically that were at my wedding that were wearing the colors of the bridesmaids, but both of them, I was just like, I mean, I don't care. Like, did they intentionally do that or did it just happen? No, no, it just happened. And it's like, if, if, if you're here at this event with us, this, this soiree, um, you're fine enough to like be wearing whatever color. Like I, I didn't care. So yeah, I think it's funny. We're all on that same page though. Like, (laughs) no, we're not putting the family in. (laughs) We're not exclusively doing that. Um, But all right, so now that we've gotten the fun out of the way, we could dive into the conversation where we try to figure this out. And so just to kind of start, Allison, help us out. Let us know what you think. Do you think weddings are family reunions? Why or why not? Essentially, no. I feel like a wedding, the dynamics of a wedding and the dynamic of a family reunion are very different. Sometimes, depending on the family dynamic, that can overlap. But essentially, right off the bat, I do not feel like a wedding is synonymous with family reunion. And I would say because like when people are getting together for a wedding, they're there to celebrate the couple. Like obviously, there's an aspect of like families blending or coming together. But at the end of the day, It's about the couple that's getting together and surrounding them with love. Whereas family reunions, they're more about kind of like that family unit, you know, family history, you know, really kind of focusing on kind of like more of that family dynamic and having activities that are kind of geared more towards the collective and that family vibe versus, you know, it just being about the couple. Okay. Tania, I am curious. Where are your thoughts? Do you think it's a family reunion? Open the door. Go on. Walk through it. It's okay. <laughs> Say how you feel. I'm just I'll curious. This been a this or that <laughs> question. Because a lot of my family, they're spread out. Yes, it's not supposed to be a family reunion, but sometimes it becomes a family reunion be- because of the pandemic, because of, you know, our lives are yeah. lifing, you know, mm-hmm. we're busy. We may not mm-hmm. be able to attend all of the family reunions or the birthday events or the graduations, you know, of course, and so on and so on. 
So yes, I agree. It's not supposed to be a family reunion, but it ends up being one because there's family that's going to be there. A free food, free drinks, you know, there's music. We get to party with each other. We get to take pictures with each other. So, I mean, and what do you do at a family reunion? Eat, drink, take pictures, and dance. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, very true. Yeah. I mean, I agree in a way I don't. So, yeah, I know. It's very easy for a wedding to kind of snowball into family mm-hmm. territory. And I think the other thing, too, it's like it's up to the couple. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if they want to bring that aspect to their wedding. Like if they wanted to have like a welcome party or an activity for the family like a few days before the wedding. Like I think that that's a really great idea to like incorporate that kind of family reunion vibe without it necessarily happening like on your wedding day or the day before your wedding day when like, you know, things are a little, a little bit more hectic. Yeah. That's a good point. I was thinking like what Tania did where kind of afterwards people were allowed to come by her parents' house and they had food and Mm -hmm. it was just kind of, it felt, it was very informal, but it felt like cookout type vibes where like people are, you know, like mixing and mingling on both sides of the family and, you know, and, you know, like the new married couple, right? Like on both Mm -hmm. sides and all that. So um, that also kind of did have like kind of those family reunion-esque vibes as well to it. So yeah. But anywho, what do you think are the pros and cons to having a wedding with a lot of extended family members. I think immediate family feels pretty natural. Like outside of like bad relationships, for the most part, you're going to have your immediate family there, but extended, not always the case. So yeah. What are the pros and cons to having extended family at your wedding? I think the pros is, you know, just kind of similar to what Tania was hinting to is just like that opportunity for people to come together that wouldn't normally see each other, you know, whether it's because of distance or life, lifing, like you said, Um, just having an opportunity to be able to spend time with those people that you wouldn't normally see. And then, you know, just kind of like that togetherness aspect, because I mean, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I assume that most people enjoy, you know, reconnecting and having that family time. As far as the cons to, you know, potentially having extended family at your wedding, I think, I mean, it's not really a con. It's more of like, this is something that you should be considerate of if you decide to do this. When you are thinking of inviting extended family, with that comes, you know, extra accommodations that might pop up. And and we're not talking about like where they're staying. Sometimes it is where they're staying. But, you know, do are they part of like a couple or do they have a whole family? Because if you're extending, if you're inviting great aunt Sue and great aunt Sue has a whole husband and eight kids, like, are you inviting those eight kids? Like, you know what I'm saying? So you kind of get into the weeds of like, okay, if I'm inviting these extra people, you have to take into consideration what that family unit is, because essentially when you send an invite and if you're inviting kids like that invite goes to the whole family and not just a couple so that's something you have to think about and then the other thing to think about is um (laughs) I said family drama but uh (laughs) I mean it's true though like with extended family just make sure you know 
the dynamics of, you know, what could potentially might unfold like over the weekend if you're inviting extended family, just kind of keeping those things in mind. So that way you're not inundated with unnecessary drama on your wedding day, or at the very least, making sure that you have like people in place that can be your buffer if those things do arise, whether that's like your mom or an aunt or something, like someone that can kind of help wrangle those people. And so that way it's like you can just focus on planning and getting married and not have to deal with shenanigans. Um, thankfully there was no drama in my wedding. However, but the fact that you were like, yeah, are you inviting the aunt and her, all her eight children? Like I know at my wedding, you know, my husband, he has a huge family, a huge on both sides. And we could only invite all the first cousins, you know, so the second, third, you know, and so on and so on. Like we couldn't invite them. And some people were a little salty about that. Some people didn't come because if their kids weren't coming, they weren't coming. Mm -hmm. So it gets a little sticky. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely does. So yeah, you definitely have to pick and choose. And speaking about picking and choosing, how should an engaged couple dictate which family members to invite to their wedding? So this is funny. I end up having this conversation with all my couples at some point in time. And I always start with, you know, think about the people that you want in the room, family or not, just like who needs to be in the room. And then once you've kind of, and kind of let that be your, your compass of like, okay, does this person make sense to invite? And I know like, that's kind of easier said and done because, you know, you have parents or relatives that are like, make sure you invite so-and-so. And so you get a lot of input that you might not necessarily want. But I think, you know, thinking about the people that you want to be surrounded by on your wedding day, um, and really thinking about, you know, what kind of vibe you want at your wedding, um, and letting that kind of guide you. And then honestly, like go through your your roster of family and, you know, just say like, hey, does this make sense? And, you know, think about like, establish some criteria of like, okay, how are we going to determine who's going to be invited and who's not? And it's up to the couple what that criteria could be, whether that's, you know, we have to have seen these people within X amount of time. And obviously distance is a factor, but just like something like that to kind of help people make decisions or like, you know, is this, you know, person supportive of us as a couple or is this person meaningful to you know one of the significant others and just kind of like ask those questions um of just like you know lead with your heart with with those questions of like what what feels like it makes the most sense like what feels like yes i really need this person in the room or you know what i would love to be able to invite this person but there are other people that you know i need to make sure that i consider more than this other person unfortunately and really kind of going, going with that, going with that gut feeling. Guest lists are not easy at all. <laughs> so I understand it's a challenge for a yeah. lot of couples. They probably go through like three are. or four iterations of mm-hmm. a list. A list, B list. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> people get in their right. feelings if they somehow find out they're on the B list, like all kinds of shenanigans. For sure. So for those that don't end up on the guest list, how should the couple communicate that if it comes up? Because occasionally it does where they know you're getting married because maybe they saw 
the pictures from the engagement on Facebook or something. And so when they start to see, or maybe they hear from other cousins or family members that, oh, I got my dress girl. You got the, mm-hmm. well, I wasn't invited. Then it, it can make kind of a hard, you know, <laughs> emotions are on high and everyone starts feeling certain ways. So despite whatever the reason is, how can they communicate that? Like, yeah, I'm sorry. We're not inviting you. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think it's, it's a remember that like, when someone's pressed that they're not invited to your wedding, like it's not about you, like their feelings are hurt, their feelings are, you know, upset, they feel some type of way. And so it's like, be empathetic about that. And just be real, like, you know, whatever, you don't have to go into the nitty gritty of telling them like your whole decision making process. But you can totally say, you know, hey, I understand that you were expecting an invite, or I understand that you're upset that, you know, we weren't able to invite you, you know, unfortunately, due to, you know, venue capacity, or you can say, unfortunately, we were limited on who we were allowed to invite, or just like, something that's like you know diplomatic and i don't lie because that's not nice but you know just like you know a diplomatic nice response where at the very least it's like you're still acknowledging that person's feelings and i Mm -hmm. think at the end of the day it's like they don't really i feel like most people won't necessarily care about the why they'll care more about how did the couple handle my feelings when i asked them about this and they're gonna be like you know what they apologized they acknowledged it i can go to sleep at night and not feel as pressed as opposed to well they told me it's their wedding and they can invite whoever they want and so i'm still mad so just you know just come from a place of empathy and you know understanding when you're being asked those questions from people and then there might be certain situations where like you know, if you know that you're not inviting someone that you know is just going to be like, I know this person was expecting an invite, or I know this person might feel some type of way, you can choose to be proactive and say, hey, you know, just wanted to let you know, like, we sent our invites out. We assume that you were anticipating an invite. Unfortunately, you know, we don't want you to be blindsided. Just wanted to let you know that we weren't able to, you know, include you in our guest count. And it was a really hard decision for us to make, but we still love you or something along those lines. Um, and just kind of, cause I think even just like being proactive and taking that extra step instead of waiting from them to like hear about it from someone else. I feel like that could go a long way with a lot of people too. Yeah. And I think too, for some of these family members, they gonna sub message you on Facebook mm-hmm. anyway. Like those Facebook statuses are about to be about you. Those Instagram stories about to be about you. Those yeah. shares. Yeah. That was about you. You know it, you know it. And it, it is what it is. Right. You got to stand on business as the mm-hmm. kids say, when you decide to exclude the certain people from your guests. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't fall into any traps. Like you said, you might see, you know, a jab on, you know, a social media platform and you just know that's about you. Like, just let it go. You've got a wedding to plan. You've got a budget to manage. You've got RSVPs. You've got fittings. Like, you've just got other things going on. Like, small potatoes compared to things you have going on. So just like, let it roll off your back. Take deep breath you know, drink your wine, whatever you need to do and just keep it moving. (laughs) I have another question. What are your thoughts on inviting people to the bridal shower that are not going to be invited to the wedding? 
That's kind of tough. I personally wouldn't invite anyone to any wedding activities, whether that's bachelor, bachelorette, showers, rehearsal. Like if they're not going to be extended an invite to the actual wedding, I would err on the side of caution and not extend invites to those other wedding related events just because it might cause some confusion for the person that you're inviting and might open up a can of worms where it's like, you know, oh, like you invited me to your bachelorette party, but I'm not invited to your wedding. Like that doesn't make sense. Like I personally wouldn't do that. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, last question. What other advice would you give to a bride to be that's balancing her family and her guest list? Like I said, guest list is difficult. Family can be difficult sometimes. And I feel like this is the point of the wedding planning where those things can kind of overlap and sometimes kind of combust. And so I would say, you know, to my previous point, just like lead with your gut, lead with your heart. Remember that you and your partner are a team. And as long as you guys are on the same page and set your expectations about who you want there and how you want to navigate building out that guest list, like just, just be solid together and weather, like just weather the storm together. Um, and like I said, just be empathetic. Don't necessarily feel like you have to be obligated to invite certain people. Like I hear a lot of people say, Oh, well, they invited me to their wedding. So I got to invite them to mine. Like you don't like, great for them that they thought of you enough to include you, but you don't necessarily have to. Like, it's not like, oh, I let you borrow a cup of sugar. Let me borrow a cup of sugar. Like, that's not what a wedding is. So, you know, don't necessarily feel obligated to invite any one particular person. Um, Stand firm with your parents. I know this is hard. Some couples are like, my mom gave me her whole list. Like, she has her own list. And you're like, what do you mean your mom has a list? And that's tough. But, you know, I think... Setting expectations with parents early about how you're going to navigate your guest list could be helpful, especially if you know you have one of those kinds of parent where they're like, they're going to send me a list. Um, You know, just be like, hey, mom, just so you know, this is the family that I'm inviting. Like, that's it. (laughs) Or if you want to have a conversation where it's like, hey, you know, let's put our heads together and determine together, you know, who we want to invite from a family perspective. Like, It's up to you. Like, I don't know everybody's family situation, so don't feel like I'm giving you bad advice. But, you know, think about the dynamic that you have, you know, with your parents or whoever might be giving you input and just be transparent, be honest. Don't be afraid to stand on business. Like you said, don't be afraid to stand on business and communicate your needs and your expectations as the bride or groom getting married. I'm going to say buckle up because I know, like like I said, guest lists and family is very difficult to navigate, but you guys will get through it. People's hurt feelings will subside. If you lose a few people along the way, those are probably people that you didn't need in your life to begin with. And like I said, just focus on you and your partner and celebrating your love. And if anyone is not on board with that, then they can go somewhere else with their feelings. (laughs) Oh, that was perfect. Including parents, because I've seen that happen before. (laughs) Very true. Yeah, very true. Um, All right. Well, we are going to move into wedding vendor love. Allison, who would you like to shout out this week? This was tough. I'm glad that I planned this out ahead of time because I really had to be like, I love so many. There's so many vendors and like just industry friends that I absolutely love. So 
The first one, uh, her name is Samantha Dockery. The name of her brand is Love Love, and it's a sparkling wine brand. And quick backstory on Samantha. So first of all, she's my role model, and I love her. Um, She's one of the first Black established wedding planners that I met when I first started out in this industry. She was a wedding planner, had her own business, retired decided that she wanted to become a certified master of champagne, which she did. And now she has her own brand. And it's basically meant to create a space where, you know, she's creating a brand of champagne specifically for weddings and for couples to celebrate their love. So I love her. Her sparkling wine is fabulous. I went to one of her tastings uh, last year and it was delicious. And she has bottles that you can order, whether you want it for your wedding, you can order in bulk to like have it on your wedding bar. Um, so shout out to Samantha. Love you, girl. The next one I want to shout out is uh, Nikki Rouge Bridal Team. And so they are a hair and makeup team uh, based here in Chicago. Um, Nikki is just awesome. She's a boss. Her team is just awesome, talented hair and makeup artists. She does amazing work. And I'm actually going to be working with her for one of my upcoming brides, which I'm super excited about. Um, So definitely check her out if you're looking for, you know, hair and makeup for your wedding. And then last but certainly not least, I want to shout out Veil of Enna. And they are a floral and design company based here in Chicago. They do gorgeous floral work. And I also really love the attention to detail that they give to the couples and helping them decide their floral and wedding vision. So they're just great. and I love them. And shout out to them for the really fabulous, I think it was Williams-Sonoma candle that they gave me as a holiday gift. That candle is life and I need it in bulk. So thank y'all for that candle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, Allison, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us all about weddings and family reunions and the whole complicated matter of it all. But if the people listening want to know more about you, they want to inquire about your services, where can they find you? So I am on a few different places in these interwebs. You can find me on Instagram at at Birdcage and Blushers Weddings. Um, my website, if you'd like to learn more about me and my services, is just www.birdcageandblushers.com. And then I'm also listed on The Knot as well. So you can search me on The Knot also. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much again. Yes, thank, you. thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. As a listener of the actual podcast, Like I didn't just come on just to plug myself. I actually really do listen and subscribe and been listening to you guys for a couple of years now. So it's really awesome to be a, be a guest. So thank you guys. Thank you. And we're definitely going to have to bring you back. We know it. Definitely. Well, all right, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow us everywhere you can. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even YouTube. You can find us at H-U-I-D-O-W-E-D, which is Who I Do Wed, or at Hugh I Do Pod, which is H-U-E-I-D-O-P-O-D, on pretty much any of those platforms. In addition to that, if you want to know more about any of the amazing wedding vendors we've shouted out or any of the really cool wedding vendors we've had on the show as guests or just some awesome wedding vendors in general that maybe you don't know of, 
head to find.huidu.com. There you're going to find over 600 wedding vendors that can help take you to your happily ever after. And no matter where you listen to Hue I Do, if you could, please leave us a review. It will help other bride-to-be's and other people in the wedding planning space find a podcast that speaks to them as much as Hue I Do speaks to you. 